Welcome to 222 Paranormal Podcast with your host, Jen and Joe. Welcome to the show, everybody. A little bit of technical difficulty. We've uh, been fighting with this stuff all morning because I am still on the island. Island, island. boy. Yes. <laughs> I uh, yes. was... And it's still cold here, by the way. Uh, it's 85 degrees here. Yeah. <laughs> I was told that the... Internet service is awesome at the house, and it's not. So we're using our phones to record. Jen just did an interview on another show, and I blinked out a few times. So thanks for taking over the show, Jen. Oh, no problem. But, um, yeah, it's it's awesome here. Uh, there's a light. There's a light island breeze, and there are chickens everywhere. There's donkeys. I've seen deer. I went snorkeling with the turtles. Stuff like wow. that. You know, just stuff like that. Oh, just everyday stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I did find out some very interesting stuff about St. John's, about the mm-hmm. hauntings. And Woo. this place is amazing. There's so much hauntings. And, of course, I didn't find out till now. I could have uh, done some more research before I got here, but I was just so busy. But... I did find something interesting. I walked down to the uh, sugar plantation, and it's obviously all in ruins now, but they uh, it's like a living museum type deal thing. And walking down the path, I saw what they call a sandbox tree. Now, this tree is one of the most deadliest trees in the world, and it's right on the walking path. I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, my God. I, why would they even keep it there? Because if any tourist, or as Dana calls them, touristas, would touch it, it's poison. And there's spikes all over it. And uh, what it is is the seed pods are about the size of a softball. And in dry, when, the, when they don't have a lot of moisture, they explode. And when they explode, it's like a grenade going off, and it, it has killed people. <laughs> Plus, you got spines or, or um, thorns all over the whole tree that are poisonous. So if you touch them, you get the poison in you. So Ooh, that sounds so uh, scary. I was like, I was I, I've seen them on TV and that and on on the YouTube, and I've never seen one in real life. And I'm like, I can't believe they allow it to be right on the path. But maybe they're not allowed to cut it down because it's probably endangered species or something. So. How, why would you know you would think they would like move it away from like or, where people are staying or put like a screen around it or something yeah so nobody touches it because that's the first thing you want to do is oh let me touch it you know wow but now, so interesting i tried to do some evps in the actual ruins themselves but there's a lot of wind and all i had was my phone so i didn't mm-hmm. have anything to block the wind uh, and I did capture some stuff, but it's mainly just my stomach going, ah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, did you get any vibes off of, like, the places you were staying at or yeah. you're at right now? Yeah. The um, the room that I'm in right now, which is my, it, it's a bedroom, but it's a house. That one there, I was, <laughs> I did have a, unexplained stuff and some explained stuff but the unexplained stuff i could hear like the the table next to the bed 
is made of fake ban or fake um, wicker. It's that plastic mm-hmm. wicker stuff. Yeah. Rayton or whatever they call it. And I'm laying in bed here, watch TV, and I heard something bang against it as if somebody hit it with their hand. So I looked around, you know, there were no animals in the in the room with me, you know, and the walls, it's a Caribbean home, so the walls don't have any insulation in them. So the boards that you see on the inside are the outside boards, so there's no way an animal or a badger or anything could come in the house. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it it sounded like someone took their hand and just smacked it. Like, hey, I'm here. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. But um, other than that, there are stories of the legends of people that are bad become ghosts stuck at the bottom of the trees. So I'm going to look into that. I think but... there's probably a lot more legends that we can explore maybe there is. save that for another show yeah <laughs> i'm gonna put together a whole show on this because it's so interesting and we've got a couple more days here so i'm gonna you know we have to run down to the store and uh i'm gonna talk to locals and find out some stuff because that's where you go when you want to find out the true history you go down to where all the locals are hanging out and there's a right. store called the midway market and we were there a couple of days ago and it's, it was cool. It's like, just like you see on TV, you pull up and everybody's just hanging out on the benches out in front mm-hmm. and everybody's so nice here. You know, obviously they know that we're from out of town. We're not locals. And they're all like, they say hi. Well, they really don't say hi. You know, that's, it's, it's almost like that's one thing you got to learn when you come to the Virgin Islands is, you don't want to look at person a person and go, hi. What they do is they say the time of day, whether it's good morning, good afternoon, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they don't they won't look at you and go, hi. You know, they'll they'll say good morning, man, or afternoon man, you know, with that <laughs> accent. But it's awesome. We pulled up into the airport and it's one of the small airports where you have to actually climb the steps out of the airplane. And then walk into the building. And to get in the building, you got to walk all the way around it. And then when you walk into the airport, there's music playing and girls dancing and a guy on stilts and giving out free rum. So everybody that shows up can get free rum. Did you drink the rum? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> but it's a blast. Spirits for the spirits. Yeah. And like I said, there's a lot of hauntings that go on on the islands. And it all stems from the fact that there was a lot of slavery here and there was a lot of um, pirates. You know, this was a huge area for pirates. So so I'm going to do some research and find out some more. So anyways, let's get into the show. I've got an email and someone asked me about Ouija boards. And I know we've done a couple shows on them before, but that was a long time ago. And I told her, I said, yeah, we'll do another show. But let I found some stories. So... Why don't you do a quick recap of the history of the Ouija board, and then we'll go into these stories. Okay. Well, the earliest known reference um, of, like, commercializing the Ouija board was from 1891, when advertisements uh, first appeared in newspapers, and they were talking about what they called the Ouija, the wonderful talking board. Now, this game uh, was created by a man named Elijah Bond, and he sold the rights of... Um, 
to the board to a man named Charles Kennard and his Kennard Novelty Company. So they patented it in 1892. Now, there's a lot of controversy about where the name came from. And a lot of people accept that it came out of the combination of two words. We, for French, is yes, and ja in German, which is also yes. So like we, ja, so yes, yes. Um, another story, though, is it was named after this fabled Moroccan city, which had a kind of a different spelling. It was we, we ja or we ja, so it's O U J I D A, or sometimes spelled O U D J D A, and they think it may have kind of been um, modeled after that because they had a um, different, like older, different type of version of it in Morocco. Now the planchette, which is what you put your hands on to move or let the board spell things out was named after a famous French medium named M. Planchette. And Adolphus Theodore Wagner received the first patent for the board in London in 1854. So um, they kind of first came on the scene around February of 1891. And when it came out, it was marketed as the magical board that could answer any questions about a person as well as answer questions about the future. <laughs> guess how much, Joe, guess how much they cost in 1891 Why? to buy a board? To buy a board, probably five cents? Mm-hmm. A dollar fifty. Dollar <laughs> fifty. Can you imagine? And so, um, you know, it started selling out as soon as they were putting these out. And then into the, like the American 19th century, there was an obsession with spiritualism. So the belief that the dead were able to communicate with the living. So this kind of hit right at the perfect time. The Ouija board kind of embedded itself into our American culture and you know, has had a very interesting history up until, you know, our modern times now. Um, they, there's also some kind of controversy or, or um, history saying there wasn't one specific inventor, but there were four people who had played a role in its um, invention. But I think probably versions of this, like Joe said, go back in various cultures for hundreds of years and i don't know joe have you ever used one no i haven't okay. no and i mean i should just because you know to you know we talk about them but we actually say well no we've never used one but maybe i should use one to see what it's really like but like you're saying yeah the the actual talking board goes back in his like prehistory there's the egyptians used them the mm -hmm. um, there's talk that the Sumerians had their own version. So all over the world, there are versions of the talking boards and every culture, you know, even the native American Indians had their version of one. Mm -hmm. So people have been trying to communicate with the spirits through talking boards for as long as there's been history. And it's really interesting because each culture has their own styles even like the Japanese have their styles. The Native Americans had their different styles with their different symbols and that on them. But they all pretty much did the same thing. I mean, and nowadays we use the modern ones 
we use the the spirit boxes and all that kind of stuff. That's sort of like the same thing. It's just our modern version of the talking board trying to talk to spirits. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just a communication device, basically. Yeah. Now, the interesting part is that they've put such a negative connotation against these boards because of a lot of the stories and and um, happenings that people have reported using these boards i don't know what do you how do you feel about that do you feel like it's weird just people's hype or, or see i don't know because there's got to be a backstory to where it started getting the negative connotation because like we said it's it and it is a toy it's sold mm-hmm. as a toy and you know you can be 12 years old to use it but that's the weird thing is it always gets a negative connotation. Now, we do know people like from the Talking Board Society and stuff that say, no, they hardly ever get negative stuff come out of it. But maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because people have said negative things have come out of it and negative stuff sells better. So you have it on TV and radio and all that where people talk about all the negative stuff that comes out of it. And, you know, we we had a show a few years ago in 2018 about it, about a demon that comes out of it. And I'll put the link in the show notes for that so you can listen to that show. But that demon that, we're, you know, that we mentioned in that show, there's actually history of that coming out in the 1600s out of the board. So even though it's supposedly a modern thing where, like, uh, Ghost Adventures did a show on it and stuff, it's actually come out in the 1600s. They saw the same type of entity coming out of the board. So I don't know. Um, it's it's like we said, it's just our, uh, you know, we use the spirit boxes in that, and that would do the same thing. But yet the Ouija board just has such a negative thing to it to where everybody says, oh, that's just to talk to demons and stuff. Yeah, and part of it is... Um, you know, back in the 50s, there was a report of a, a boy known as only as Roland Doe, um, who be, they say became possessed by the devil after he played with his aunt's mm-hmm. Ouija board. And that was kind of the story that got adapted into the film The Exorcist. But they made it about a girl who was possessed yeah. um, by a demon. Um, so, you know, it's maybe a little bit of Hollywood hype that goes into this. Um spreading the fear about it yeah and that's what i mean and it's i guess it goes back to the same thing where if you're walking down the street and you see a newspaper that says tomorrow sunny and beautiful you're gonna look down the paper go oh cool and keep walking but if you look down at the paper and it says big storm coming you're gonna pick up the paper to read on it so maybe it's just the fact that the positive stuff doesn't come out in the news at all because you know, nobody, they don't care about the positive stuff. They want the negativity so that they can sell paper or have people watch their news. So I don't know. I I know that this year at Michigan Paracon, the Talking Board Society is going to have their museum, their traveling museum come out. So maybe that's something we should talk to them about and see, you know, negative versus positive. What's the, you know, what's the percentages that they see of uh, stuff that comes out of the board? Because... We do know that people use them for investigations. We know that people have used them to uh, find, you know, missing people 
mm-hmm. uh, find out their past history, stuff like that. So I don't know. It, I I would say it probably goes both ways, but we just hear more about the negative. Well, some people may ask, like, are there rules that you need to follow when you use a, a Ouija board? I found a few. These are kind of like the common ones that everybody usually tells you if you are using one. Was one, never use it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that you could be more vulnerable to spirits coming through from the other side and to make sure that you play with one or more friends. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd use one by myself. Yeah, and but that would be interesting too because some of the things that people say that is actually going on is the involuntary movement of your hands because mm-hmm. you think of the answer you want. But I've seen people like my friend from Russia – she uses her version of a talking board, which is in a circle, and she'll sit there, and I think she uses like a cup of some sort, almost like, it, it looks like a shot glass, and mm-hmm. she sits there, and they always film her when she's doing it, and she moves so fast, and her sister writes down everything that where the letters stop, and they've talked to an alien, and I really love to have her on the show, because I'm... As we're talking here, I saw that I had another message from her just a half hour ago. And she was talking about how Ali, she calls the alien Ali, sent her more gifts. There, She's in a restaurant in Russia where things fall out of the ceiling. They'll be sitting like there. What? And like I... coins and tubes, like little plastic tubes, um, trinkets. American money falls out of the ceiling. And she's in Russia. What? Yeah. That's crazy. But she uses her version of the talking board and but the problem is it's she doesn't speak English. So she's been sending me a lot of messages. Maybe I'll ask her if I can use these messages in a show and just read what she sent me because mm-hmm. she can't speak English. But it's so interesting. Me and her have been talking for a long time and she's on Russian TV. And the Russian TV will actually film her doing these sessions and her sister writing down the words. So it's real time. And she sent me videos of when they were doing a their talking board session where they'll be sitting there and all of a sudden they'll hear something hit the ground and they'll look over and it'll be like an American coin or these tubes that fall out of the ceiling are like these. Imagine like a um, about the size of one of those permanent markers. But they're always like these brown tubes, and she doesn't know where they come from, and they're hard, hard plastic. But she, when she's using her talking board, she moves really fast, and her sister sits there and writes down all the, the letters. And then once that is, it's a full story that she sends me. She translates it into English, sends it to me, and it's all about the predictions of the future and what Ollie is sending them and the different things that happen in the world and future events that's going to happen and stuff. So it's so interesting. But like I said, the problem is she doesn't speak English, so I can't physically talk to her. Yeah. We talk through through Facebook so that it can translate it from Russian to English. And, that's uh, cool. You know, she might have some friends over there that's I, – I didn't even dawn on me to ask her, but she might have some friends that speak English that can – we can do like an interpretation thing. You know, have her on the show but have to listen to her interpreter talk. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll try to figure something out. But it's interesting the way that she uses her talking board is it's a big circle. It's It doesn't look like the normal one. It's in a circle. And all the letters are in a big circle. And then I think there's yes and no in the middle. So there's different styles of these boards, too. And the original one, though, the original 
talking board was just a wicker basket where they put a pencil at the end of the basket. And that's one of the reasons why the planchette is shaped the way it is. The pencil would be at the point of the basket and mediums would use it to do seances and stuff. So, yeah, it's just it's interesting because there's so many different styles, too. But we do have some stories here. And these are the stories I found that I thought were interesting. Uh, the first one is called Open The Open Circle. When Vince, now 30, was a child, one of his friends goaded him into playing with the Ouija board in his basement. Young Vince didn't expect anything out of the ordinary or out of the ordinary to happen, so he went along with it. Once they started to play, however, the lights began to flicker, the air around them grew very cold, and a spirit began to communicate with them through the board. The spirit spelled out a Russian name and claimed he had been murdered. And his notes were, we took a break to make some pizza rolls, which I love pizza rolls. And that's one of the pleasures I do every once in a while. I, <laughs> I have pizza rolls. No, but we I'm forgot so to, right now. yeah, it says, but we tried to, cl- or, but we forgot to close the circle when done. If you're new to the Ouija board stories, it's a giant no-no. You should always close the session. After returning to the basement, the energy was much heavier and books and things were sprawled out all over the floor. And yet the board remained perfectly still in the center of the room, just how they left it. Upon looking at the mirror that we had nearby, the eye of the Ouija board was moving spontaneously in its own reflection. So in this story, he didn't close the session went up, got his pizza rolls, came back down, and poltergeist activity has happened in the room, and the eyes on the Ouija board were moving in the mirror, not on the board itself, but when he looked in the mirror, that he could see them moving. That's a cool story. Um, second story here is solo play, which Jen mentioned, you know, doing it by yourself. Most people play the Ouija board in groups or at least one other person, but O'Shea wanted to try to use it on her own. She put her hands on the planchette and asked some questions, but nothing happened. She took her hand off the planchette and was about to put the game away when the planchette began to move on its own. She says, I'll never try that again. She says that she's lived in New Jersey for 30 years and has never touched the board again. So that's interesting how the thing would actually start moving on its own. (laughs) Because that's another thing, too, is... Have you ever heard of people using the Ouija board wear, wearing face masks so they can't see what the board's doing? Or even, you know, that'd be something, too, is have do it like the, um, what do we call it, like the um, Estes method, where the people with their hands on the board maybe should have noise-canceling headphones on and blinders just mm-hmm. like that. I wonder if that would work. It'd be an interesting experiment, you yeah. know, like videotaping themselves to at least see what the messages are. Yeah. So there was another story. It's called a haunted haunted housewarming. So the first time I used a Ouija board was about six or seven, and I was with my mom and older sister, who was about fifteen at the time. This girl named Paige says um, her family had just moved to a new house, which was much bigger and much older than the one that they had lived in previously. And on that night, Paige. Her mother and her sister were eating pizza on the living room floor since they didn't have all their furniture set up yet. 
And they put on a fire to ease the chill because it was like fall um, around that time. So after they had ate their dinner, her sister pushed her mom to let them play with the Ouija board. So as they were using it, um, the girl recounts, a box in the living room that had some books in it literally flew across the room. Shortly after that, the fire unexplicably went out and their mother was so shaken that she took the girls to her grandmother's house to spend the night. Now, it's interesting because it seems like the activity happens a lot when people are first using it, like their first times using it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, uh, I would think that these kind of things, maybe entities or spirits wouldn't come out right away. Or... Unless they're just waiting for that out, you know what yeah. I mean? Or that door to open. Or they know that the new people to use it are not experienced enough to know what they're really doing. And yeah. it makes them open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, well, there's another story here about a, a kid named Owen, and he started playing with the Ouija boards when he was a child, and he continued to experience paranormal phenomena um, all the way up until his like um, adulthood. So he's probably in his mid 20s now. It says, My grandfather on my dad's side died before I was born. And he's from Ohio, so that's interesting yeah. enough. <laughs> he said, he and my dad were estranged, so my dad never spoke of him or had pictures of him around. One day, Owen began seeing and talking to a person he called Michael. Unbeknownst to him, Michael was his grandfather's name. And so finally, his parents had sat him down and showed a picture of the man that he had never seen. And he asked me if I knew who this was. He said, I told him it was Michael and that he was right here with us. Looking back, he was just like shocked. So it was like a relative that was coming through, not so much a unknown entity or mm -hmm. demon. And I wonder too, if, you know, when we're, when people use these Ouija boards and the spirits are around them anyways of their loved ones or their family members that have passed, maybe hanging around them. And all of a sudden there is an opportunity using the Ouija board to communicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, there was a young man who was a freshman in college and he and his dorm mates had taken out a Ouija board and, um, they had a very threatening encounter with some dark spirits. They said the dorm hall used to be a morgue. Oh, so he was uh, about 25 from New York and they said it was a perfect setting for goofing off with his friends. And what they failed to do was realize how serious it was. So when they were using it, a planchette began to move around the board and the spirit or spirits communicated to them that there were 83 demons that were going to come for them. Oh. Um, they said, the next thing you know, the dorm is haunted. The girls can't sleep because stuff is turning on and off and messing with them. So they had to have a priest come out and bless the room. After that, it was all good. And he said, that's why you don't mess with Ouija board. He doesn't mess with Ouija boards anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing to actually haunt the whole dorm it's like yeah. you opened up the floodgates with this ouija board and the, <laughs> the spirits just plowed so mate, you out might want it. to think twice about using that or trying one joe <laughs> yeah it all depends where we use it too yeah you know i mean a lot of places you know too interesting huh As when we go to michigan paracon mm -hmm. i never see anybody using one no they're there they're selling them or showing them off but i never see anybody using one I honestly have never physically seen one used in front of me. 
and with you know even all the haunted places we've been mm-hmm. like you said the different events even you know if you think about it some of these events that we've been to we've traveled a long way and no one shows up so it's just the vendors sitting there going yeah this is really fun and they all yeah. have ouija boards for sale or that and yeah and they you wouldn't think well why didn't they just break them out and have a little session yeah, why doesn't anybody do a, a demonstration, a live demonstration on that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't own one, so I can't say, yeah, let's do it. Don't worry. Somebody will take that idea and run yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since they like to take our ideas. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a suit from Goodwill and put a big, long coattail on it with a little chair on it so everybody can ride it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I found a story here. It's called When Heads Roll. Randy learned what a Ouija board was the hard way. And when two of his family members introduced him to one when they were all children, he goes to say, my brother and cousin were older than us, says the 36-year-old Michigan resident. So we're going up into Michigan. This particular time, they had come home with a Ouija board. We all agreed to play with it. We turned off the lights and a light lit a candle. So you basically turn off the lights and light a candle. Randy sat down with his favorite doll, Kelly, at his side, nervously watching in the dark. We started to play asking questions, he said. And before we knew it, the planchette started to move around in a pointed direction. It traveled the board, dragging itself to the letter K, then made its way to the E and the L. For a moment, it paused then quickly circled right back around to the letter L before finally landing on the Y. Next thing we knew, there was a loud bang against the radiator, which is the heater in old homes, and everyone started to scream. Randy recounts, we turned on the lights, and by the radiator was a severed head of his favorite towel. Oh, my God. Creeped out. Hell, yeah, he says. We all were. Which is why we switched gears regarding or reading these hilarious Halloween memes next. So I think that might have been a Halloween story, but it's still funny. Yeah. I could see that. You're you're holding on to your favorite doll in your basement where you have all your dolls and all your haunted items that you bought mm-hmm. on eBay. And you use the, the board and the board says, no, your doll must die. <laughs> Do you know you're never supposed to use a Ouija board in a cemetery? I did not know that. I thought a lot of people did. Doesn't that seem obvious? I would imagine so. Well, in 1990 or 1991, there were uh, several students who allegedly tried out a Ouija board at a small cemetery on the campus of the Benedictine University in Chicago. So one of these young men who had participated in the session allegedly became possessed, quote unquote. And he started screaming and howling uncontrollably and all of his friends were unable to calm him down and keep him from like kicking and biting and flailing about. So the campus police called to assist in getting this young man back into his room. And he ended up being taken to an area hospital where he had to be sedated and treated. Now the story of this incident was told and retold and embellished around the campus over the course of the next few 
days and interesting um, elements began to be added to the tale. So one of the most popular ones was the boy was taken to um, Benedictine Hall and locked in a room overnight um, so he might just wear or tire himself out. When the door was unlocked, he was sitting quietly in a chair looking out the window and it was covered with swarming flies. Uh. Now, unfortunately, the real story wasn't that shocking, but according to reliable sources, the boy simply freaked out during the Ouija board session. And, you know, it was just uh, one of those things where people just became hysterical using this thing. So it's like, do they get possessed or do they freak themselves out? Or is it a combination of both? We don't know. We don't know. And you're opening yourself up to that stuff, which we do all the time in our investigations anyways, because we're always saying, come in and speak to this box or come in, you know, to our recorders or come over and touch us or, you know, make a noise or whatever. So you're always calling them close to you. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, it's. Yeah. Who's to say there are are already right next to you? That's right? what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably like, I'm right here. That's what I was saying with the have... family members, because, you know, I've we've talked to many people that said the family members are always around us, which sometimes shouldn't be a good thing. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's like, but I don't know. Like I heard too, that like, you know, people on the other side, they don't watch what you're doing or see what you're doing. They just sense your energy. Oh, really? So who knows? Right? Can you sense what I'm thinking now? <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting is the thought that, you know, or are, are they, the spirits standing by the board going, come on, ask this question, ask this question, you know, do know. they anticipate what you're going to ask? Or, you know, I don't know. Now, if you ever want to get rid of a Ouija board, the consensus is that you never burn a Ouija board. It says that it normally doesn't work and it will always end up back intact in the owner's possession. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've seen that on the ghost shows a couple of times. One of the theories is the proper way to dispose of a Ouija board is to break it into seven pieces, sprinkle it with holy water, and then bury it. I don't know. Yeah. I think I would just end up selling it to somebody. <laughs> In the garage sale for right? 50 cents. 50 cents for a 50 cents. talking board. All yeah, your spirit you. communication for 50 cent. <laughs> You know, one of the things is, is if you are using it, always make sure to close the board. And what that means is just basically um, shutting the door to the other side. It prevents any lingering spirits from interfering with your life and thanking the spirits and saying goodbye. So the um, planchette should move down towards the wood word goodbye, which is, I think, at the bottom of the board. Mm-hmm. And then you can put the board back late back safely in its box. It also says to not leave the planchette on the board, I guess it just, you know, may start moving it on its own or, or open up things. So I guess, I don't know. I don't have one, so I'm not sure. Yeah. And that makes sense. Seeing, you know, reading some of those stories is about the planchette moving on its own, especially the story where the person went upstairs and came back down and the the room was in shambles, mm-hmm. except for the board was still yeah. in the same place. And um, Joe and I at the last Michigan Paracon, they had the world's largest Ouija board yeah. was going to be built. <laughs> it was giant. What is it? Ouijazilla or something they called it? Mm-hmm. And I think that planchette was like, wasn't it like 25 or 30 feet big? <laughs> yeah, everybody was standing in the hole. That's funny. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it, we taught, we had did an interview with that person. I don't remember the exact show note 
or show number, but we did an interview with them, and it was so cool because, well, for one thing, it almost killed him. Do you remember he was working on and each? It's a oh, yeah. each piece is a four by eight sheet that is painted, shellacked, all that. It's heavy, and then mm-hmm. he puts it together like a giant puzzle. But he said that he had the boards stacked up and they were leaning against the wall and he was working on another board and all the boards fell over on him. And if you remember, he said that he had them leaning against the wall where they, there was no way they could fall the other way. There was no wind, mm-hmm. nothing. So even then building the giant one poltergeist activity happened and pushed all the boards on top of him. So it kind of makes you wonder too, is when he travels with this thing, cause obviously he has to put it in a big trailer and everything. I wonder if he has issues like excessive tire blowouts or trailer issues or, you know, when he's setting Mm -hmm. up, does he have things happen? And then, you know, they do use it. I don't know how, but because it's so big, I think that, I mean, mainly it's just a demonstration, but they say that they use it, which I don't understand. Do they, do they stand in the middle and walk around or what? I don't know, but I wonder what kind of activity they get with it or, you know, is it, do the, are the spirits are the spirits attracted to it because mm-hmm. it's a showpiece and just like anything else if you put intent and energy into something it may attract spirits sort of like we talk about like Gibbs Bridge there's all these stories of decapitations and all that but nothing is proven to be true but yet there's tons of hauntings there so with this board and even with their traveling museum they have a the traveling museum of the Ouija boards. I wonder if they get activity while everything's on display because those boards are real. You know, those boards mm-hmm. have been used, and some of them are extreme antiques. I don't know the oldest one that he has, but I remember talking to him, and some of these boards were like, if I can remember right, he had one from the 1600s. So I don't know. I wonder if he does get any activity while he, why they're on display. We'll definitely have to check that out. Um, yeah. This year at Michigan Paracon, we will be back for 2023. Yeah. All the celebrities will be there. And you know what? The, the gossip, all the talk's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of stuff shaking up. Um, Amy just, I, I was online, and Amy was saying how Kindred Spirits is not canceled. It's just a standard thing that they do at the end of every contract and lots of times the public doesn't know about it but they just it's negotiation and all that kind of stuff it's just you know it's it's uh uh same thing they do but the difference this year is that i want to say warner brothers but one of the owners of the discovery plus wants to cut the budget by a billion dollars with a b so a lot of stuff is shaken up. They don't, you know, some shows may not come back. Some shows may come back and it's just a lot of talk. And I think that it's a lot of hype. Maybe it's just a bunch of hype to get people to watch the shows more. I don't know, but. Oh, sure. I mean, this could all be a giant publicity stunt, right? Yeah, who like, knows? Who, you know, I wouldn't put anything against her, you Past know, a Hollywood to. Yeah. Do anything for publicity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it'd be interesting. So if you, you know, if you're on the fence of going to a convention, I definitely recommend Michigan Paracon. It is by far the best Paracon to go to. 
It's a long drive. It's in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is, if you don't know how to get there, just get on I-75 and head north. Right. Until you see the last, <laughs> it's the last sign before you hit Canada. Turn right yeah. and go down the road. You'll see it. But it's worth the drive. It is. And it's a blast. The The convention itself is unbelievable. Everybody is there. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody. All your shows that you watch are there. And the Saturday night party is worth the drive. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's a blast. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed the show this week. I'll be back, Jen. I'll be back in a yes. few days. Uh, but we do have an email list now on our website. The mobile website, if you go to it on the mobile, it's kind of jacked up. I don't, I'm don't. i still trying to figure out how to make it so that it, the email thing doesn't dominate when you come on. But it's all there. Um, sign up for our email list. We have some great things happening. We have some great communication for you. We're going to do where we send out a newsletter every month and it tells you what we're doing, where we're at, gives you a little story, you know, that kind of fun stuff. So get up on our website, click on the email list, sign up for our email list. And I'm working on a comp or a um, giveaway also, but I haven't finalized that yet. It's just going to be some swag and stuff that if you sign up for our email list, you may win. But yeah, go up on our website, uh, sign up for our email list. I've got some good stuff coming. We've got, it's the best way to find out where we're going to be and what we're doing. And there's going to be some stories on there and stuff. But thank you for listening this week. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Jen, I will see you in a little bit. All right. I'm going to get back outside. Back in the United States. (laughs) All right. And thank you for listening. And let's leave, as we always do, with some Dead in Five. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah.